Hey, this is Chandler from SCTM Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SCTM Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SCTM Preps Podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SCTM Preps. This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. It's SETN Preps, Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison, hanging out on a Thursday, ready to get this uh, week of high school football underway. we got four games we're going to be taking a look at. We'll get to our... Our rankings for this week, we'll give you our top five big schools, our top five small schools. That's coming up here in a uh, here in a few minutes. So let's go ahead and uh, let's hop in, Chandler. I don't think there's any reason to dilly-dally today. Let's just get into it. Let's start with Tyner and Meigs County. Tall task again for Tyner in a rough stretch here. Marion County last week, you get Tyner this week. We talked last week about how good that Marion County defense has been. They held Tyner to just 83 yards of total offense, and Meigs County statistically is actually better than what Marion County is uh, from a defensive standpoint. I mean, Meigs County gave up a touchdown to Sweetwater, a touchdown to Signal Mountain, a field goal to Copper uh, to Polk County, and a touchdown to Copper Basin. So they have given up three touchdowns and a field goal this year. And the only time this year they have scored less than 38 points was back in week one against Sweetwater. They scored 38. Uh, the last one, two, three, four, five weeks, they have scored at least 40 points. Yeah, this offense has just been phenomenal, and and this game is a little has a little less pop to it than it probably would have if we if this game had happened last week before that Marion County game, Chris. You know, I, and not just because I kind of we kind of felt coming in, and I don't know about you, but I kind of felt coming in that it was Megs and Marion, and I had just gotten bit by the Tyner bug like two or three weeks ago, and like man, they are really good, really solid. I mean. The one stat for Tyler that I always looked at, Chris, was they were like 5-0 and and 4-0 and against teams in a higher classification. I mean, that was just a crazy stat. Um, and, and to me, you know, I, I look at this and, you know, I, I think Tyler is a team that we gave a little bit too much credit. And not to say we didn't give them enough, but we did give them a little bit too much. Um, especially me, and I had to eat crow on that last week. Uh, last week. You know, Max County just has the total package. They have a total package that no one in the small schools can really match, Chris. You know, for me, I look at this game, I want to know where Meigs County is. We, we've seen them play great games. No one has come within 30 points of them. Like you mentioned, two shutouts in region play. We haven't really had an opportunity to talk about Meigs County because they, their first seven games have been, you know, I, I don't like to talk about other teams like this, but they've been a cakewalk, Chris. And I think that has more to do with Mer- with Meigs County just being dominant than it has to do with any of those teams just being awful or anything, you know. For, for Tyner, or for Bex County, I, I really want to see what they do against some competition because I think this is going to be the first time this year that they've had solid competition. Are they going to blow them out of the water as well? You know, for Tyner, you know, 
can they show that last week was some kind of fluke? Can they show that they are more disciplined than they than they appeared to be against Marion County and, and more prepared? Because it felt like to me that there was just not a lot of discipline. It was, it was kind of in the moment. Things happen, and all of a sudden, you know, things are back and forth, and you know, you just can't convert on, on any of those downs and, and you fumble the ball, you, you know, you, it's intercepted. To me, it felt like Tyler was falling apart last week and not necessarily that was indicative of their best team and their best game this season at, at all, Chris. So, so to me, my biggest question is, can, Ty, can Tyler come out and play disciplined football and put up a fight against Mays County because I think everybody in their area is looking at this game now after that Marion County game and going, whew, um, what's the spread on the Mays County Titer game? Because it's got to be big. Yeah, I, look, I, he, here's the reason why you got sucked in on Tyner this year. Tyner has, they got off to a 6-0 and start with wins over an 0-6 Howard team a 1-5 Grundy County team, a 2-5 Brainerd team, a 3-4 Polk County team, a 1-6 Soddy Daisy team, and a 2-3 Bledsoe County team. And I think Bledsoe, Bledsoe's probably the best team they had beaten this year. They beat Bledsoe 46-6. I don't know that Bledsoe was completely healthy uh, when that game happened. But, yes, we found out here in the past week or so. Yeah, so I, I don't know that they were completely uh, healthy. So in Tyner's six wins have come against teams that are a combined 9-29. and 29. So, again, I think that's the reason why you get you kind of get a little sucked in on Tyner. I thought they were, and I still think, they're a good football team. If I don't think they're elite. How about that? I think if Tyner goes on the road in the playoffs, depending on who they end up getting matched up with, it's probably going to be the number two seed. Uh, could they go on the road and win a playoff game? Sure they could. I, I could totally see that happening. But they're not Marion County, Meigs County good. Marion County and Meigs County are good enough to play for and win state championships. I think Tyner may be a notch or two below that right now. But I still yeah, think I, they can be a, you know, they still can be a good football team. And, and Chris, we talked earlier this season. It's going to be, you know, team. They're going to start beating themselves. Like maybe two, three weeks ago, we said, all right, everybody's going to start beating everybody up. We're going to see of all these teams who is the best, who's going to step up. And now we've seen, you know, it kind of slowly happened as the season went. We thought we got four teams. We had three teams. Now we're down to two teams, and they're going to play not this week, but next week. So I, th- I think we're slowly getting to that progression through the season. And by the way, that's a fantastic region and a fantastic story that we started out with four teams who we thought could be title contenders in that region, Chris. And we turn around, and it's slow as the season goes on. It feels like college football where, all right, this team lost. Now we got to shift our focus to to who's left, you know. And it's kind of sure. it makes it, it makes it feel like a like a traditional college football. I don't know your opinion on this, Chris. I loved when we had two teams in the, in the championship game. Because it felt like every game mattered so much more, especially with teams like Alabama and all those other things. So it makes it kind of feel like the BCS where, you know, you've only got so many slots to get in and to be elite. And Mexico County and Marion County will have to make their case next week on who is the more elite team. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to Fayetteville and Red Bank. Fayetteville coming into this game, they are 7-0. and uh, they've got a win over Upperman. I believe they gave Upperman their their only loss 
they have basically steamrolled through their region with one exception, and that was last week against Cornersville. And uh, Cornersville was able to give them some fits. Uh, Fayetteville won that game 18-8. I don't know a ton about Cornersville, but uh, Cornersville was able to do some things that others haven't been able to do this year against Fayetteville. Now, I say all that to say I don't know if Fayetteville has seen the athletes, given their schedule, that Red Bank can throw out there. So it goes back to something that we talked about earlier in, well, I think we talked about it last week, about Red Bank playing like Red Bank is capable of. And we saw that. Last week was the first time this year when we saw Red Bank beat somebody like they were supposed to beat somebody. You know what I'm saying? We haven't seen that a lot from Red Bank this year. And last week was the first time. Can Red Bank bottle that and continue? Because this is a tough game. Now, Red Bank gets them at home. I think that's a plus. But at the same time, you know, you're going up against a team that in uh, Fayetteville, in their classification, feels like they can compete for a state championship. So this is not going to be an easy game for Red Bank where they can just roll the ball out there and, you know, Fayetteville's going to roll over and play dead for them. Fayetteville's going to come up and punch you in the mouth. How will Red Bank respond to it? I hope we see the Red Bank that we saw last week uh, mm-hmm. come out and and or really the way they've played the last two weeks. 48 points over Hickson, 51 points over East Ridge. It's not going to be that easy this week, but I think they've got a chance going up against Fayetteville uh, to be able to uh, – they got a chance going up against Fayetteville to be able to win a game just because I think Red Bank has better athletes. Yeah, and for the people that are saying, well, Cornersville sounds familiar, don't forget, Chris, they were in the – and I, I don't think they're the, nearly the same team they were that year, but they were in the state championship game against Whitwell back in 2018. That's and, right. You know, and like a I'm looking at – game. Yeah, and I'm looking at their schedule right now, and they play a lot of close games. They, they love close games apparently, but, I mean, they've got a pretty decent slate of games they've had on there, Chris – you know, and like I said, we're, we're now we're score watching. We're going to step away from that and bring you back to the real SCTM Preps podcast. And I just dropped something on the floor over here. So this is a great podcast so far, Chris. Well, you're off to a good uh, start. We're off to a great, uh, great start. Uh, you know, we talk about how well Red Bank puts together a tough schedule. They put a one A team that's not South Pittsburgh on the schedule, and they just so happen to be the defending state champions. You know, uh, Fayetteville has has not had hardly any fall off. You know, if Excuse me. If they are if they are not making the return trip to Chattanooga in December, Chris, we've talked about this before. It'll be because of Peabody. You know, they're the two A state champs. Move down to one A for Red Bank, and that's how good they are. They're 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 at least a top four team in the state in one A. We we know that. That's that's where they're going to end up. Um, for Red Bank, I think this is a game where you kind of assert yourself again. It's it's one thing to beat up on some region foes that you should beat up on, like win the games in your region. You should. It's another thing to go and defeat a state champ. I know it's a 1A team, but it's a good team, Chris. This is a fantastic team in Fayetteville. And to me, this could be a major confidence game if you win. I think that if Red Bank wants to make a splash in the playoffs, and this is going to be kind of a hot take here, they have to win this game. Well, here's even the though thing. It's not a, even though it's not a region game. Because, I think, because here's the thing, and I'll let you finish this. I only have one more point to make. If you're Red Bank, you've got to get that swagger back. 
that you've had in the previous years because your record is not intimidating at all. What people see on the field is not intimidating at all. You've got to get that Red Bank swagger that we've seen work so well in the past few years and, and basically just intimidating teams sometimes when they walk onto the field. They have got to get that back. And I think, uh, you know, listen, I think they can still make a flash in the playoffs if they don't beat Fayetteville, but I think if they want to make a difference in this season and get some momentum, they need to win this game. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you 100% about Red Bank needing to get that swagger back. I think that's important for Red Bank. I, I will say this, too, for Red Bank. This is one of those games where, hey, kudos to, to Coach Brown and the people at Red Bank for scheduling this game because, honestly, this is a no-win game for Red Bank mm-hmm. because if you win this game, people are going to say, yeah, well, you should beat them. They're a one eighteen. And if you lose this game, people are going to say, oh, I can't believe you lost to a 118. Mm-hmm. So there's really no win uh, in mm-hmm. some degree for Red Bank in this game. Yeah. Tough game. I'm with you, though. We need to see yeah. that swagger back from Red Bank. Yeah, they, they, we've got to get away from that stigma, though, Chris, because here's the thing. In high school football, yes, if it's a bad 118 and a good 318, that team's going to win. But – you know, if you want to look at a good example of that, look in the Valley, Chris. How many 1A teams? I mean, you talk about South Pittsburgh. They'll go up against Sequatchie County, Grundy County, Bledsoe County, 3A, 2A teams, Marion County, and, and beat the brakes off of them. I mean, we've got to get away from that stigma of, oh, well, it's just a 1A team because I think we are missing out on some fantastic matchups in, in our area, in the state, because we don't want to, you know, we – Teams don't want to play teams in lower classifications because they're afraid of what might happen. It's a no-win situation. And not get to the fact that, hey, that's still a good team you're putting on your schedule, right? Like South Pittsburgh is finally getting to the point where people are saying, okay, we'll schedule you, right? Because even if we lose, it's not that bad because they people know that you're a Class 1A powerhouse and a powerhouse in general. But we got to get away from that stigma, by the way, Chris. Uh, proceed with the podcast. Well, you and I can move away from it, but the rest of the state isn't going to see it that way. No, and they're just, I mean, it's this old school way of thinking, and I think we've got to get away from it because, Chris, like I said, you've seen it, I've seen it. um, Especially in other sports, it doesn't really matter what what classification you are. It just matters what kids you got out on the field. That's true. Well, kids, you got on the court. No, and to me, that that's what I look at more, and people need to start looking at it more. So if you are in the state of Tennessee and you're a high school football fan, get rid of the stigma that your team doesn't need to play a 1A team or 2A team. Listen, good football is good football. Mexicana could probably beat a lot of 3A and 4A teams, Chris. Let's just be honest with you. In fact, they beat some 3A teams this year. I think they beat a uh, – I'm not going to go on their schedule. I don't have their schedule right now. But they beat a 3A team on their schedule. I know at least one or two. So, I mean, we got to get rid of that stigma. Big time. Let's move to our next game. It's a region matchup. It's an important region matchup with McMinn County and Walker Valley, a couple of teams mm-hmm. that are they are both four and three overall, and they're two teams that come in at one and one uh, in their classification. I think Ray County is more than likely going to be the team that, barring some catastrophe here over the last uh, part of the season, Ray County's going to nail down that number two spot. I mean, that number one spot in the region. This game, to me, between Walker Valley and McMinn County is about who nails down the number two spot. Because Walker Valley has a, or McMinn, rather, they have a game left 
with Udawa, uh, while Walker Valley has a uh, – they've got a game left against Howard. So I think there's still another region win left for both of these two, So, which means they're probably going to end up with identical region records. So that's going to put it back on this game to be the tiebreaker. This is a really big game for both McMinn County and for uh, and for Walker Valley. Walker Valley's coming off what has been two disappointing performances. For as good as their offense has been, an offense that you know put up forty eight on Udawa, forty two, and a nice win over Carter. Um, this is an offense that the last two weeks has scored a whopping total of seven points. Mm. So you talk about, you know, Ray, uh, Red Bank trying to get that mojo back a little bit, get some swagger back. I think Walker Valley's got to get that back, especially on offense, where that's not very indicative, I don't think, of who Walker Valley is. But the last two weeks, it hasn't been good for them uh, on offense. Whereas when I look at McMinn County, seems like McMinn County, after a rough start, they were 1-3 at one point in time. McMinn County's rolled through three teams. I mean, they beat Howard pretty easily, pulled off what I think was a big upset against East Hamilton by a point, and they beat Sweetwater. Uh, now, they've still got Loudon and Udawa left to play after this one, but I feel like McMinn County has really kind of hit their stride here late in the year. So I'm sort of with you. What you were saying about with Red Bank, I feel the same way about Walker Valley. These guys got to get it back. Yeah, this is for a home playoff spot, and, and kudos to Chris for, for finally listening to me in the past year or two when we talk about playoffology. He has been listening a little bit um, to kind of know how that's going to go. Uh, and I, I, I put full, full credit to myself on that. Chandler, <laughs> stop. I've been doing this. You were pooping green, okay? I've been doing this since you were pooping green. So let's don't even let's don't even go there. Now continue on with your with your whatever ridiculous point you were about to make. Oh my! I, I can't give it to Chris. I can't give it to anybody. Uh, you know, Walker Valley feels like something happened halfway around this season. Well, kind of I know they've line. had I know they've had a couple of injuries that yes, has kind yes. of slowed them down a little bit. But and, and to me, the kind of change you see is they went from three and one with that lone loss being to Bradley Central, who we know is an elite team. They are one and three cents with that lone win coming against a three A team with a losing record and triple overtime. As glorious as that game was to watch. But Mick County has been the opposite. Like you said, Chris, they've got to get the mojo back. You know, after starting one and three, they've won their last three games, Chris, including what I would call it a season-defining comeback win versus East Hamilton. You know, this is really the story of two teams on, on opposite paths, and you wonder if a Walker Valley win here could change the trajectories, not just in who gets a home playoff spot, but who has the momentum. Because I think, you know, a loss from McMinn County here kind of dampers their season and maybe even kind of puts a hold on their postseason because, you know, I think McMinn County is a team that's it's a good team, Chris. I don't know that they could go on the road and be the three seed in 5A. I just don't think they can do that, especially when you're talking about having to go up to Knoxville to play. I just don't see McMinn County being able to do it. You know, I've never been one to count out Walker Valley since last season. I think we – 
tried to last season. It just never worked out for us, Chris. You know, so you wonder, listen, a Walker Valley win here could change that entire region up and that entire playoff picture, Chris, not just in who gets that seed, but who goes farther into the playoffs because that is the difference between a two and a three seed in 5A, really, you know, even more so than, than other classifications. So, like you said, Chris, this is the game that's going to decide who gets that home playoff spot. And this is a, this is a story of two teams who are just on opposite paths and you wonder if Walker Valley still has enough in them to, to kind of take down what McMinn County has become in the past few weeks. It's uh, look. This that's a huge game, man. I mean, it, that you know, yeah. it's it's not going to be anybody's game of the week. I think probably everybody around the area is going to focus on Tyner and Megs, or you know, maybe Fayetteville and Red Bank. But when it comes down to uh, a game that means something. I don't think there's a game in our area more that's going to mean more than yeah. what this game here is going to mean. Megs is going to beat Tyner, yeah. but McMinn County, Walker Valley, flip a coin, brother, because mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I lean I, toward. I, yeah, I mean, I lean toward McMinn County, but still, I, I do think too. This could be only a close because game and a wonderful game. I do too because I feel like McMinn's being playing better of late. But I also feel like Walker Valley's played tougher teams of late than what McMinn yes. has. So, you know, again, take it for what you will. Those two teams, though, I think, uh, man, there's a lot on the line for uh, mm-hmm. in that one on Friday night. That'll be a good one. All right, Notre Dame, Boyd Buchanan. It's going to be the last game that we are going to look at. Notre Dame has had a fit of a time this year trying to score points. We've we've talked about it before. Their offense. Uh, they scored 10 points, 13 points in the first six games of the year and uh, put up 30 last week uh, on a Howard team. Uh, now, Notre Dame's still 3-4. and four. They got a COVID win over Hickson, a one-point win, 7-6 to six, over Grace Christian out of Knoxville, and a nice 30-8 uh, to eight win last week over, um, over Howard. But offensively, I know they're small, they're undersized. They've had a real hard time, uh, feels like, trying to get it back and and to get things uh, moving in the right direction. Boyd Buchanan's been able to score points. Problem for the Buccaneers, for the most part, has been stopping people. You know, they gave up 57 last week to Chattanooga Christian. They gave up 33 in a loss to Silverdale. They gave up 40 in a loss to CAK. They gave up 55 in a loss to Davidson. No, uh, Boyd Buchanan doesn't have a region win yet, by the way. They are 0-3 in the region. Mm-hmm. So my question is, given how porous Boyd Buchanan has been defensively, can they find a way, or can Notre Dame find a way to generate a little bit of offense in this game? Um that's the key. I think I think Boyd's going to be able to score on Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, if they're going to stay in this thing, Notre Dame's got to find a way. They're going to have to have their best offensive game of the year to go up against against Boyd Buchanan. I think the Bucks are going to score. The, the question is, how many defensive stops can Boyd Buchanan get? And if they can get a couple of stops defensively uh, and kind of keep Notre Dame a little bit off balance, They've got a real good chance uh, to be able to win this one. A win from Notre Dame, though, 
they would get back to four and four on the year, and they would go to two and three in the region, and could essentially really put a hurting on Boyd Buchanan. The Bucks lose this one; they go to zero and four in the region. So mm-hmm. I think it's a this is an important game. Is there some playoff implications here? Yes. But, Chandler, to me, this game is more important in terms of setting you up for the rest of your season and just feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, Notre Dame wins, you're back to 500. This was a team, again, we just talked about how porous they played early in the year. You get back to 500 on the season, you're 2-3 and three in the region, you're feeling pretty good about yourself going through the rest of the way. Same thing goes with Boyd Buchanan. You win this game, you can go to three and four overall and one and three in the region. You still got a winnable game coming up later in the year against Grace Christian out of Knoxville. So mm-hmm. this is not a, uh, you know, this is a big game for both of those teams just from the standpoint of where are we headed? That's what they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out. Yeah, I feel like both these teams have underachieved this year, Chris. And, you know, I feel like there's a distinct difference. I think we expected Notre Dame to kind of – like Notre Dame is closer to the mark we set to underachieve because they had no indication in the past few years. They've given us no indication that they were moving in a direction that that we thought was going to kind of win them ballgames and get them back on top of this region. Um, You know, and and I think part of that had to do with just some – just just uh, bad situations that happened where, you know, it just didn't get the train on the tracks like it needed to be and some issues with, you know, eligibility and all that kind of stuff. But for Boyd Buchanan, it, it felt like to me that they really underachieved from what we even expected this year. Um, you know, we talked to Coach Boskin before the season, and, you know, we talked to – by the way, we talked to all three of the coaches, everybody except for Notre Dame this season, uh, in the preseason uh, – and it felt like of those three teams we talked to, Boyd Buchanan just felt like they had the momentum. I don't know about you, Chris, but it felt like, you know, CCS, I kind of felt like had, you know, a lot of things going for it. But it just felt like to me when we talked to Boskins that they had the momentum that a lot of these other teams didn't have. And it just kind of fell apart on them. And I don't really know what went wrong. I mean, I, I'm not a coach. I hadn't pulled down the, put out the film or whatever, but – you're right, Chris. This is a game that's absolutely necessary because these teams have to try to get things back on track and get things back on track against each other. Um, you know, I don't know what their trajectory is for the winner. I don't know what the trajectory is for the loser, but they're going to be in opposite directions. I do know that. And I think this this game has is just a real big game, not just for the seeding purposes. Like you said, it is a huge game for – where are these teams headed? Because, honestly, I just think both these teams have underachieved dramatically this season. And I want to see some positive things from both these teams because when Boyd Buchanan and Notre Dame are doing good in high school football in our area, our high school football overall is great. And you you know that because you've seen Boyd Buchanan at their peak. You've seen when Notre Dame has, you know, I think back to a few years ago where they were in the state championship and, every you know, it was kind of like they had all the athletes, they had all the kids going D1 and, you know, it just felt like high school football was is better when these two teams are better, and it's it's a shame to see both of these teams, you know, kind of in the situation they are right now. I had um, higher expectations this year for Boyd Buchanan than I did Notre Dame. 
I knew yes. for Notre Dame, based upon what all they were going to lose, that Boyd Buchanan was going to – I mean, that Notre Dame was going to have – they were going to struggle a little bit, and they have. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they would get better as the year goes on. If, in, if last week's an indication of what's to come, yes, they, they are getting better as the year goes along. But, you know, we've heard about the D1 kids that Boyd Buchanan has got, and that hasn't translated yet onto the field. Mm-hmm. So, that you know, I expected Boyd Buchanan to be, you know, I expected Boyd Buchanan to be up there where Silverdale is right now. Is is what I thought we would see. So, so I'm with yeah. you on that. Let's get to our. Makes, uh, yeah, I was going to say, and that makes Silverdale even more impressive because we saw, we felt, I felt like out of the three we talked to Chris this season, that Silverdale had the least momentum out of all three, and yet they have come out and been. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say there was a big gap or anything like that, but it felt like Silverdale had the biggest or had had the. Least momentum of all three because we kind of heard about CCS. Everybody was going bonkers about CCS in the preseason. Boyd had some tremendous, you know, momentum in the in the previous season. All the D one players, you know, that made the Silverdale story that much more impressive at this point in the season. No, I, again, it's another reason why Brett Rogers is your Mister Football winner. And if he's not, I'm going to stage a one man protest. Uh, outside the team, I'll join you. Okay. Well, I'm. I mean, I'm talking. Oh. I may chain myself to something. I mean, that's I'll, that's where I am now. I'll bring my rocking chair, and we'll. I'll have a sandwich for you. How that's, does that sound? That's my kind of. That's my kind of protesting right there. <laughs> uh, hey, let's uh, let's get to our top five teams. We do this every week. We give you our top five large and our top five small. I think it's your week to start off, Chandler. So I will turn it over to you. Uh, let's start with the big schools this week. There's been a little bit of shakeup in mine. You know, Chris, I kind of went off. I did what the AP poll does, and I looked at the history, and I just kind of kept things the same unless someone just really messed up. This week I kind of, you know, changed some things up as far as, you know, just kind of took everything off the board, reevaluated everything, and then went from there. Okay. So at, at number five I got, and it's kind of closer to what you have. So I will say, you know, it kind of looks a little bit what you have. So I guess I'm. Well, you don't know what I have. Oh, okay. Oh, so so it may you look went to like the drawing board again too. Yeah, may, I go to the drawing board every week. Now this may uh, look something similar to what I had last week. I will admit, okay. but yeah. So I've got at number five. I've got Silverdale. You know, they they lose to uh, Knoxville Webb, and honestly, Knoxville Webb is a pretty impressive team. I think Silverdale plays them. Ten times, I think it's a five-and-five series. So when the playoffs comes around and they're matched up against Knoxville Webb again, don't be surprised if Silverdale comes away with the dub, especially after having a full game of film. And we have talked about this, Chris. It is hard to beat somebody twice in high school football. Insane. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've seen it happen, you know, several times. But when you have a two teams that are kind of competitive with each other, that's, that was only an 11-point game, Chris, or a 12-point game, Chris. I mean, that was a two-touchdown game. And, in Division Two AA, Chris, that might as well be a touchdown game, you know, because as, as fast as they score and as many points as they put up, Chris, um, nothing like Sell Creek apparently, but I digress. Um, uh, to me, I think Silverdale is still a great team, and they're number five on mine. I will go ahead and say, Chris, because I'm not going to get to them, Baylor is number six, if I had a number six. Yeah, Baylor's my number six, too. 
And I figured you did too, because I kind of, I was kind of drinking the Kool Aid you were mixing up last week, and I kind of felt like you were right. You can get your tape recorder out here in a minute. Um, but at number six, I got Baylor. If there was a number six, number four, four I almost said that really Southern Foa. Uh, <laughs> number four, I've got Ray County. I think they have been too impressive for me not to put on here. I've not given them their due diligence in my rankings, Chris. So I've got them at number four. Um, and honestly, them and East Hamilton are 3A and 3B for me. I could go back and forth between either one of them. Um, they've had similar opponents, similar scores in those opponents, similar things that they've done. They both played really close against McMinn County uh, within uh, two or three weeks of each other. To me, I've got East Hamilton at number three. I've just given them the edge because I think that offense is a little bit more high-octane than Ray County. Um, and I say that purely out of I think they could score more points than Ray County. I think Ray County is going to give you 35 to 42 points a game. But you're not going to get anywhere close to 35 and 42 points a game because you're not going to have enough time on the clock to score even 28 points, 21 points in a game. You know, if you get in a shootout with Ray County, good luck getting the ball back because they're going to hold on to it. So, you know, I, I still think East Hamlin has the better offense, has the better high-octane offense. Uh, number two, I've got Bradley Central, obvious reasons. Uh, they've not given me a reason to doubt them yet. Um, until they play Maryville, you know, I, I think outside of Maryville, I think they're probably one of the better – one of the best teams in the East. And that's saying a lot when you talk about, you know, all the team, you know, all the teams you see in the East in that region. So I think they are they are number two in, in East Tennessee, to be honest with you. Maybe number three if you're if you're throwing Oakland into the East. I'm not sure where they fall on that, whether they're in region four or five out there. Uh, and number one, uh, Chris, do you want to go ahead and tell them who number, who number, who my number one team is? It it better be Macaulay unless you're off your rocker. It, it is. If, if it is not, if we ever have a podcast and Macaulay is not number one, Chris, I don't know that we can do the podcast. I, I just don't know that we could do it because I think it would just be too much change for both of us. <laughs> well, uh, you and I, we got a lot of the same teams, and I think we have some of the same thoughts on some of the same teams. I've got Macaulay at number one. Uh, I've got Bradley Central at number two. I've actually got East Hamilton and Ray County tied for number three. And uh, Silverdale in at number five, and I got Baylor and Cleveland knocking on the door. So you had the same rankings at me. You just kind of had, you just kind of, you kind of did what I said, and you said, yeah, they're yeah. both three A and three B. Yeah, yeah. I put so, both of those two at three, and then um, if you had to pick one for three, which one would it be? Because I'm going with who puts out more offense, and that's East Hamilton. But I, I don't know. If East Hamilton and Ray County play tomorrow, I'm not sure who wins that game. It'd be a good I don't game. Know. Yeah, and, and Chris, I've I, I got to say this. In high school football, we have got to find a way, and I know it's not feasible a lot of times, we've got to find a way to get to games played toward the end of the season. Like maybe even have like a, a built-in bye week, maybe like week eight, week nine for everybody and just add another week in there so that you can literally schedule a team that is – closer to where you are as far as play level-wise. You know what I'm saying? I really think we do need to build that into high school football somehow, some way. But I digress. That's that's forward thinking. That's like 2050 thinking right there, Chris. So Let's move on to our small school class. <laughs> Not even a comment. I see how it is. Yeah, well, how many teams are on a bye this week? 
we got a bunch of teams that are on a bye. There's a couple of teams that had bye weeks scheduled that have now picked up games this week. This Trying yeah. to figure out the schedule this year has been an absolute mess. Anyway. Not as bad as it was last year. No, nah, but it's pretty. It's still pretty bad. It's, pretty. And it's so, still pretty bad. A lot of the bye weeks that we have, though, Chris, a lot of teams are like, well, we want to get that extra game in that we lost because they technically had a bye week built in because of COVID or some other reason. So, like, I like that, like, last year, if, if it wouldn't have been for COVID, would we have ever got a Macaulay-Calhoun game? No, I don't think we, we would have. have. And, and we probably wouldn't have got it this year because I don't think those two teams would have scheduled each other this year because they hadn't seen what they were able to do the year before. You know what I mean? Right. So, to me, I think, T.L. Bustablay, if you're listening, Bernard Childers, all the people there, here's what I'm saying. Just say, put your bye week whenever you want to. We skip a week, add another week into the first week of the season, right? Put a built-in bye week for everybody, week eight, week nine, and about week five, say, all right, you can now schedule a game during that week and get some freaking great matchups because you know everybody's going to go all out to see how impressive they can get. Because at that point, Chris, it's about getting a good matchup and selling tickets. I don't know that that would ever happen. Sounds like some sort of NFL flex schedule kind of stuff. Would you would you be for it if, if it could happen? Would you be for it? Uh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Obviously, I think everybody would except coaches. Uh, I don't think you're going to find too many coaches that would would want to do that. I mean, that does sound. You really ought to work for, uh, you know, Vince McMahon with some of his lunatic uh, <laughs> spring football ideas. Hey man, I'm telling you, I had I was I've already said the idea of making an open division in Tennessee where the best teams, if you if you win like like if you win so many state championships or you want to play at an open level, like put all these teams in one level, private, public, doesn't matter, just put them in an open division and then let everybody else win state championships, like the Alcoas, the Marables, the Oaklands, like those kind of teams. Just put them in an open division, let them knock each other out, and and get some other teams some state championship games because I think that would be far, 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 far better of, of a of a way to, to crown state champions in Tennessee. If we already have as many state championships as we have, might as well just go ahead and add another one in there, Chris. Trying to clear matter. that path for Sequatchie County, I see. Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go to your small school classification now, Chandler. Uh, go ahead, run through your top five small right. schools. These are 1A, 2A, and 3A programs. If I was trying to clear a path, Chris, I would have put them in the rankings, and I didn't this year, in this mm. week. So, number five, number five is a hard one. I, you probably had this trouble too, Chris, putting in a number five. Right nope. now, I've got I solved my problem at number five. Oh, okay, all right. Um, number five, I got Signal Mountain. I think they are a, a pretty good team. I don't think they'll be able to beat Loudon. I don't think the, they might be able to be in Kingston. Um, I'm talking playoffs, anything like that. To me, I think they're a really solid team. I just don't think they're going to be able to, to make a splash in the playoffs because I think they're going to have a pretty rough outing. Even if they have a home game in the playoffs uh, somehow, I think they're going to have a rough outing in the playoffs. I think it's going to be second round at most for them just because of how that region and that other region could be. Number four, I've got Tyner. Um, <laughs> I think that's obvious after the Berrien County game. Um, 23-0, they, they get shut out in the regular season for the first time in two years. You know, I, I just I just can't put them any higher than that. I can't take them out, though, Chris. I can't think of many teams in the smaller school classifications that are better than Tyner. And the three teams I can think of are above them. In this order, I've got Marion County at number three, 
South Pittsburgh at number two, and Meigs County at number one. I've moved Meigs County up there. I think they are the best team, and maybe Meigs County fans are like, like yelling at their phone or the computer or whatever listening to this podcast on now because you said Tyner was a really good team. You said they were going to mop the floor with Marion County. You said this. You said that. And now the Meigs County fans are going, don't do it to us. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to put Meigs County number one. If the curse continues, Chris, I'll stop telling people that their teams are really good <laughs> because I have had that curse before. Um, I, if you remember back in 2018, I, every time I picked against Whitwell, they won. And I, I couldn't pick it. I picked against Whitwell literally every single team so or every single week. So well, It's that Sequatchie um, County hate coming out. All right, what, let me, uh, uh, let me okay, give you whatever. my top five. Okay. My top four are the exact same as yours. Tyner, South Pitt, Mary, and Meggs. One, two, three, four. Now, here's my number five. Grace Baptist. That is Ooh. the number one eight-man football team in the country that is in Chattanooga at Grace wow. Baptist. So there you go. That's number five. I'm sick and tired of having to scrounge around to find some somebody to put in there at number five. So I am going with Grace Baptist based off what they have done. I think that is a remarkable story. Um, having to drop down, drop out of playing 11-man football and drop down. And they have been, I mean, they have been lighting people up this year for a a group of kids that right now don't really have a school. I mean, they're, you know, I think they're attending classes in a church uh, while their school is being rebuilt after their campus was basically leveled by a tornado. So I think that's a tremendous story. Hats off to Coach Bobateka. Hats off to those kids for getting it done. But. Grace Baptist, number five. Is that right, Chris? I'm looking at their schedule. 106 points they put on somebody? Dude, they've been like, they have been yeah. lighting people up all year. Yeah, I mean, they are legit. You know, like, whoever ranks them, and I don't know who does that, they're the number one team in the country. Golly. But how many teams, Chris, are going – to me, how many teams are dropping down from playing Division Two football? There's to not. There's, going to, yeah, there's there's not many. I mean, I'm sure there's some others. I guess St. Andrews. Is no, I'm not trying to discredit them at all. No, no, no. I understand what saying, you're saying. Many, yeah. It's it doesn't happen often. I think St. Andrews of Swanee does. A lot of times, it's it's the very smaller schools that have a hard yeah. time with numbers. Um, mm. You know, if you only got 20 kids. It's it's really tough to put eleven of them out there uh, on a Friday night. Yeah. If you've only got twenty kids, it's a little easier if you're playing, you know, six man or eight man yeah. or whatever it is. It it makes it a little little uh, little easier. And what is this? What is this Friday? It's the th- it's our, this Thursday is the uh, actually today that this podcast is dropping. Uh, they got it today is the fourteenth, right? They got a they got a school against Tennessee school for the death, so it's a home game. So if you want to go see Grace Baptist in action on a Thursday, look, this is your perfect opportunity to see some good eight man football without having to miss out on some high school football around here. I'm just saying. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued, Chris. I think you know I, I would love. Are, are we going to call that game if they go if they go to like a national championship or something? I mean, I my think we Lord, should. That would be. I think we I think we should. I think I think we absolutely should. I think everybody in the 
because when's the last time a team in our area was really like a national threat for like a national kind of title kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a long yeah. time. So I mean, I hey. think of some of the Baylor and Macaulay teams back in like the eighties and nineties, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I think with you, you know, Baylor maybe back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that Red Bank team that had Gerald Riggs on it mm-hmm. was ranked in the top 25 nationally by USA Today. So, uh, take yeah. that for hey, what it's I, worth. Hey, and I'm telling you, that eight-man and six-man football, it is so fun to watch. Have you ever watched the uh, the, the ESPN series on uh, the, the six-man football down in Texas? There's one on CBS now, but there used to be one on, like, E60 or something like that yeah, about I've the six-man football down there. Yep. Those are fa- – that is fantastic. It is so weird – to see six guys, I mean, literally a total of 12 guys on the field, you know, and a you know radio announcer, a PA announcer, people in the stands. It is so weird to see. It's just so fascinating. So if you are looking for something to do on a Thursday night, go out to Grace Baptist, let, watch a game with them because that's probably going to be – I mean, you're going you're gonna to get – I don't even know what the ratio of, of price for the ticket and points scored is going to be in that, Chris, but it's pretty – it's pretty big. It's a pretty big ratio. Hey, I think it's I think it's awesome what those kids again, what all they've had to go yeah. through to get to yeah. this point, to have the success they've had. They it needs to be celebrated. Now, I don't know if any of the TV stations are covering it or if they're doing anything on it, but I just felt like it was something that we needed to uh, we needed to acknowledge here, and so yeah. I wanted to include Grace in that. Chandler, that's going to do it. You got anything else to add here before we uh, part ways on this? preview edition of my goodness what is this week nine holy cow yeah it's crazy yeah we got through the whole podcast without mentioning that it's week nine but hey uh all the all the tv stations and and newspapers they're gonna they're gonna be cop they're gonna know this story anyway now chris because you're doing all the listeners right now you're doing with all the with all the sports people in chattanooga do what all the coaches do y'all are listening to this podcast and they're probably going to retweet something we do on friday night when we tweet out the scores so that's your cue, Chris, to follow us on Twitter at SETN Preps. Uh, Friday night we'll have all the scores as uh, as soon as they happen, and we'll be pumping those things out on Friday night. So make sure you check us out there. Uh, you can find me on the on the TV Friday night on Friday Night Rivals on the CW Chattanooga. We're going back down to North Georgia. It is Heritage and Northwest Whitfield this week, and of course you can find Chandler and I back here again on Monday with uh, another episode of SETN Preps. So it's going to do it for us this week. And uh, Chandler, I guess it's time for us to get out of here. Let's go watch some football. Sounds great. Hey, this is Chandler from SETN Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SETN Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SETM Preps Podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SETM Preps.